0: Nation, it's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, up and way home. That's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I make a smile.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and literally everywhere. Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Seattle Mariners didn't go so well. I am Terry Cushman and am as always joined by Jeremy Schilling and Stephanie Allen. How are you guys?
2: Doing good.
1: How are you? <laughs> D minus. That's uh D minus.
3: Oh, B That's minus. D minus. And I was okay. going to be an F until I heard about Xander.
1: Well, uh, yes, the you know, they kind of saved the weekend with that news anyway, because that's uh, going to last for seven years, but we'll get into that shortly, uh, just going to go through the recap here, first game recap I have done since late September, so bear with me, four game set, game one, opening day Thursday in Seattle at T-Mobile Park, Chris Sale versus Marco Gonzalez, Sale cruised through the first inning, started to struggle in the second inning when Tim Beckham and Domingo Santana both homered, actually Beckham homered, see I'm already fucking up, Dominguez drove in two with the bases loaded, bottom of the third, Edwin Encarnacion homers, uh, as well as Tim Beckham, Sale gives up seven runs after 75 pitches after only three innings. Red Sox Ben Benintendi Martinez Vasquez uh, drove in the four runs, twelve to four. Your final game two Friday Nathan Ivaldi versus U K Kukuchi, which uh, might be my new favorite name. First inning Malik Smith uh, hits a home run off of Nathan Navaldi. Only hit two last year, so off to a good start. Uh, Dominguez Santana hits his second home run of the series. Bogarts responded with a solo in the second, and then Seattle responded right away. Omar Navarez also hits a solo. Valdi gets through the third but gives up three runs in the fourth inning on a spattering of hits. Red Sox later uh, rallied throughout the second half. J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez both homered. Top of the ninth, Red Sox down by one, two runners on base. Moreland comes to the plate, crushes a three-run bomb. Red Sox take the lead by one. That was off of Hunter Strickland. Matt Barnes came in at the bottom of the inning to record the save. Seven to six, Red Sox, your final. Game three, Saturday night, Eduardo Rodriguez versus Mike Leake. Seattle pounces on Erod right away with Tim Beckham and Ryan Healy, both driving in runs in the first. Bradley and Martinez both had RBIs in the third and fourth innings, respectively. Erod labored into the fifth, where he gave up a three-run bomb to Jay Bruce. He exited the game one run into the fifth inning after having seven full counts. Typical start for him. Red Sox rallied three runs in the ninth, thanks to three consecutive throwing errors by Dylan Moore at third base. Bogarts had a chance to tie the game with a base hit, but strikes out looking. Six to five Seattle Mariners is your final. Finally today, game four, Rick Porcello versus Wade LeBlanc, Martinez, and uh, Nunez got off, got the Red Sox on the board in the first inning, uh, combining for three RBIs. Porcello gets through the first unscathed, but starts to struggle in the second. Only ends up going two and two thirds innings, giving up six hits, walks for nine runs, though only four earned. Still quite the shellacking. Betts and Martinez both homered. Nunez and Swihart had RBIs, ten to eight. Your final, so Red Sox lose the series, three to one. Could have been swept if it wasn't Mitch Moreland. If you want to be uh, an optimist, we also could have taken three out of four. You know, with some more timely clutch hitting. You know, capitalizing off of uh, Seattle's mistakes and terrible bullpen, but. Nonetheless, uh, Seattle takes the series 3-1. to one. Finally, again, for the first time since September, we will go into our shout-outs and call out segment. If you're unfamiliar with this, all three of us will shout-out a member of the Red Sox who did really well, and then we will call out a member of the Red Sox who did not do very well. So, Stephanie, why don't you uh, lead us off with your shout-out?
2: I'm going to lead us off, but I'm going to break the rules. My shout-out is uh, to Dylan Moore. I thought, uh, (laughs) even though he's a Mariner and not a Red Sox, I thought that he uh, gave us all just a little bit of hope in uh, last night's game and woke us all up. So, yay, Dylan, for totally sucking at third base.
1: He did exactly (laughs) that. (laughs) Terrence is
3: rubbing off on you, and I don't think that's a good look. But... um, My shout-out here is Xander. Um, Not necessarily for the series, but um, we've talked all offseason and almost begged Mookie to commit to Boston. He will not. He wants to break the bank. Xander, uh, Terry, and I, and one of the very few things we agree on was we thought Xander would go into free agency and and get every penny he could because of who his agent is. We were both dead wrong. Love it. Um, Boris said tonight, I work for the player, the player wanted a deal done um so that to me says Xander didn't was not a sheep um he he went to Boris said this is what I want and to the Red Sox credit simultaneously they made a fair deal it's it's great for both sides it takes one less concern off of the off-field um roster building uh so just couldn't be happier with Xander's desire to commit to Boston. Couldn't be happier with the front office's desire to commit to Xander and simultaneously pay him fair money. Uh, I do truly think they have learned their lesson from the Lester debacle. And so my shout out is Xander Bogart. Seven more years of him is just awesome for this program.
1: Uh, my shout out um, goes to JD Martinez. It's uh, two home runs in the series, seven RBIs, basically picking up right from where he left off last year, you know, and I thought he should have finished higher in the MVP voting. I don't think the Red Sox win 108 games without him. I don't know if we win the World Series without him. And so it's nice to see him not slowing down. I saw him in between innings looking at the tablet studying his uh, studying the film from his previous at bat and I've just never seen anybody more intense about what they do uh, than JD Martinez. So my my shout out goes to him. uh Stephanie, go ahead with your uh, call out.
2: Uh my call out's gonna be to Nunez uh the base running debacle running down to first, even though his manager backed him it it still looked like a hot mess to me, and then he had some um defensive plays at second that I felt like he blew so that's my call out
1: that's we've seen plenty of that this year uh, not last year excuse me, and uh hopefully he'll be a little more healthier this year, and maybe that will uh lead to less base running errors but Um, certainly, uh, certainly one that I worry about when he's on the basis. Um,
3: yeah, with Nunez, he is who we thought he was. I mean, (laughs) every weakness we've discussed, uh, every concern we've had with him playing every day, um, you know, he is who he is. Uh, he also is going to get hot for a month and win us like 10 games. So, we'll, well, I guess we'll just sit around and wait for that. Um, so my call-out is Alex Cora. Um, I don't blame – well, I take the blame that on the face of things lands on the starting pitchers and put it on Cora. He handles this thing like – I mean, it's, it's malpractice. It's malpractice. The one chance he had to do the right thing by Erod, he fucked him again. It might as well be the world's uh, the World Series start again. I mean, what the fuck is he doing in there? Because he's a lefty on lefty. He's a hundred. He's at a hundred and five pitches. He has no reason to be in the game. He was your only guy who had given you anything, and you destroyed it by keeping him in the game. It just pisses me off. But that's not the thing that makes me the most upset about the way this is handled. Sale like had nine inning pitch, uh, nine innings pitched in the um, in spring training. You know. The off, Look, I, game innings is so different than bullpen innings. I don't care how many pitches he threw in the bullpen or whatever. These guys have to be ready to go. And I've voiced two concerns all offseason as a result of the Deep World Series run. One, potentially just not staying healthy for the start of the season, which I think the Red Sox have overreacted to, by, by basically not having them pitch in spring training, and then just saying, hey, we're going to go out to Seattle – and they're just going to go out there and perform with having really no meaningful innings pitched in the re- in, in, in the preseason. Totally backfired. The other thing I was worried about is starting the first 11 games on the West Coast. Every concern I had about that seems real. I'm not necessarily overreacting because I still think this is a 90-win team. still think they're a playoff team. I think it's one series, all that stuff. But... There was the preparation for this thing has been all wrong. And it showed, and the one person who who met the expectation, he fucked by keeping him out there too long. So, Alex Torres. I totally Corey, agree you, on that. You Jeremy. sucked. You sucked, Alex Gore. Yeah,
2: I totally agree. Even Eck called it out. He was like, what is this guy still doing out there? He's tired. He's sizzled. I love that term. He's sizzled. <laughs>
1: There were plenty of ecisms this weekend, which I always enjoy. Um,
2: yeah, great.
1: A lot of salad references. Um, my and ch- cheese. And, and cheese, exactly. I, I don't. I, you might be a vegetarian. Um,
3: <laughs> By the way, is so awesome. And, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole because of the Price Padroia thing a year and a half ago. He eviscerated people that sucked the series. That the right-handed pitcher with the bad uh, mullet. Uh, who pitched the night, who started the night, uh, was it the ninth? Yeah, the ninth tonight. That guy, he called him the human rain delay.
0: Yeah.
3: He eviscerated that guy for like a total of 40 minutes during this series. And the guy deserved every single bit of it. He sucked. The players sucked. The coaching sucked. Eck was awesome. I love that he calls the players for what it is. I'm sure he's being eviscerated right now on a, uh, the team, just attacking him on the flight to, uh, to uh, Oakland.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that'll happen on Alex Cora's watch, but my uh, call-out will go to Erod, and, you know, we can say that Cora left him in too long, and that's definitely true, but I think uh, Erod definitely deserves part of the blame because he was his typical inefficient self. Seven times he had a full count uh, throughout the game. His pitch count went up pretty high, and this is kind of what I'm concerned with. I tweeted out, I said, the rotation this series was so bad, the bullpen didn't have a chance to suck. And I'm just worried starts like this with Erod is going to get the bullpen into the game, you know, early, you know, throughout the first few months of the year. And we're going to lose games because of it. So... He needs to, you know, find a way to be able to finish off batters. And I think the very first at-bat of the game, he he was up 0-2. So I just needed to finish him off. That particular at-bat ended up reaching a full count, and and we saw six more of those. So um, I would definitely like to see him, uh, you know, improve his game.
3: The thing that pisses me off about Eduardo Rodriguez his stuff is good enough and everyone knows it. He he refuses to pitch to contact and then when he gets ahead it's all about the swing and miss outside the strike zone. Right. It, it's exhaust it's 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 exhausting. Like Erod, you could be so you could you by the way, he's costing himself about 150 million dollars cuz his current form is a four or five starter on a good team or a middle like a two or three starter on a bad team. But he has the ability to be an ace and make $150, $200 million. But he just refuses to throw strikes, so he never pitches deep in game. You're totally right. Now, with that said, his stuff was easily the best of any of the four starters because despite the fact that he nibbled and he pulled his typical bullshit, he still was getting people out. He was still getting the outs he needed to get where he needed to in the game. Now, your point would be, Terry, well, Jeremy, he was at 105 pitches in that Jay Bruce at bat of his own, you know, because he did it to himself, but at the same time, the manager has to save himself from that last, that last home run. He has to go out and get him before that happens, despite, or because of what he saw for that first, you know, whatever it was, four and two thirds, five and a third, whatever it was. He did. Yeah, give I up don't the... think
2: Cora would have let any other starter go 105 pitches. I mean, that was, it's the, you know, the first game of the se- first games of the season. He talks about workload and this and that. And he let this dude go 105 pitches.
1: What the hell? That's a good point. And he did give up the fewest runs of them all, Uh, only five uh, earned runs. The fewest
2: runs, and he almost doubled some of the other pitchers' innings. I mean, I know he pitched a lot of pitches. I get that. He wasn't efficient. But he was in there twice as long and gave up the fewest runs.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Sale gave up seven runs, uh, three innings. Ivaldi, uh, I think it was six runs over five innings, and then today uh, Porcello uh, seven runs by the time he came out of the game. But you know he he had those two runners on base, and Johnson uh, All right, my, allowed those in. My my
3: final point about this, and and because maybe I, I think for a second, I it, you know the self inflicted wounds were typically associated with bad starting pitching or just bad pitching in general as walks, or. Falling behind and then hard hit balls, but it's it's usually related to bad command, and then and then you got to get in the strike zone and it's it, you know that's not what happened here. And this is this is my point with Cora: the pitchers weren't sharp. There's a reason why Seattle hit 1,800 home runs because the the stuff, except for Erod and the pitch to Jay Bruce, the sales stuff, Evaldi's stuff today, Porcello stuff sucked. They weren't having problems throwing strikes. The stuff in the strike zone sucked. And that's a lack of preparation. That's a lack of meaningful innings. It sucked. They shouldn't be giving up, you know, missile after missile after missile. I mean, Jesus Christ, they should be issuing warnings in the outfield bleachers. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some injuries. It's ridiculous.
1: Right, anyways, we'll we're gonna get back into starting pitching here shortly. Uh, I guess we'll start off with the news of the hour, literally. Xander Bogarts agrees to a what is gonna end up being a seven year hundred and thirty two million dollar extension because it will include this year to get the average annual value down. Average annual value of that contract will be um, 18 point whatever million. So not a huge hit uh, towards the luxury tax, which is probably part of the reason they wanted to include this year because it's. I think he's making like $12 uh, million. So he will uh, be with us for the next seven years, uh, as Jeremy, you alluded to in your uh, shout-out. I'm a big proponent of it because... You know, he's a top four, five, six shortstop, wherever you want to put him. Power hitter. Hard to replace a guy like that. You'd almost just have to get like a Nunez-type guy, hopefully a little bit better defensively, but not an impact guy by any means. And it's just one of the harder uh, spots in the order to fill to get huge production out of. So I'm kind of glad we're we're keeping him on a somewhat affordable contract and the comparison I always give is you know if if Mookie if Mookie isn't you know retained we can find a 3100 outfielder they're almost a dime a dozen will they steal bases like Mookie will they you know hit you know mid 300s not necessarily but but you can you can still get that production spread out through the lineup. And uh, I had one more point. And actually, I said all winter long, I thought I didn't think he would uh, get an extension early, though he did express he wanted to. It ha- up until uh, a few weeks ago, it certainly looked like all talks were going to just get tabled until the end of this regular season. But... My expectations was that he would get a contract very similar to the one uh, Eric Hosmer has, which I think, after all the options, escalators, whatever, uh, reaches 140 million. So, uh, you know, Xander comes in just under that at 132. I, you know, I think their, you know, their marketability, you know, with their production, with their relatively young ages at the time that they signed the contracts. Uh, You know, it seemed like it would end up in that ballpark. I figured, though, the ceiling possibly could drift up to 175 with the Boris factor, and if he had a great year, you know, a a bigger year than last year, which was the best of his career so far, but... uh, in the end they you know, he signed and wanted to stay with Boston and I think the Bryce Harper thing probably took about ten years off Scott Boris's life and I think even though he's saying he's doing it for the player, I think he's just happy to get this one out of the way.
3: Uh, I disagree on that last part. I think if it was up to Boris, he'd take this thing and do what he does to with every single deal. And that's why I love Xander. Um, now, like, I didn't, you know, I, I like Xander. I think he's a very good player. I think he made tremendous strides early in his career defensively with his footwork and his ability to, like, basically, in, from his first year to his second year. And I know they screwed with him a lot. Um, with the Drew brother playing short when it really should have been Bogart's position. So then he plays third, and it fucked with his throwing mechanics and everything else. But he came back as a starting shortstop and made such a leap forward defensively that he has not looked back from. A lot of people don't talk about that. He's so consistent. He makes good plays. He makes some plays you don't think he can make. Um, he's made a jump forward with his uh, his power. Um, and then, you know, and this is another thing. And it, it, Some fans... Kind of on, like only harp on this, and I don't like for me. And I've said this a hundred times: production's number one in my importance factor. But he's so goddamn likable. I was um,
2: going to say that he's, he's so-, so
3: fucking likable. The whole thing where he's born in a room and he speaks six different languages, and he's in no trouble. You hear nothing about his personal life, and that's okay. Like I tried to look him up on Twitter; he doesn't have a Twitter account. That's okay. Like would I prefer to have more access to the athlete of course I would but it's awesome and it it now that he's committed to Boston it's going to make it so easy to root for this guy just absolutely. I love the deal the money's right we you know he 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 did the Veritech with Boris he did the Veritech with Boris and and some people thought that that was an impossibility <clears throat> Terence but uh but he did it and I give a ton of credit for the independent thought of the player and again that the, the Sox made the deer the deal is fair it's not like they just screwed him with the deal they 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 gave him fair money
1: well i think
2: that yeah, was I, his i love it go ahead me I
1: me. think that was his value though as i said you know i've i've said this for several months now and one other point i would like to add is if he had a dismal year you know because he he had some second halves over the last 3 or 4 years where he kind of fell off a cliff i mean He was well on his way to a batting title one year and, you know, had a really bad second half. Was was that the
2: year he got hurt, though? Because there was that one year he had the thumb injury, but no one knew. But then he kind of had it, but didn't. In
1: 2017, he did have a, I think it was a wrist injury. But there were two years in a row back-to-back where he got off to a hot start. Those were the years when he was going to the opposite way. Like, he was just slapping ball after ball you know, the opposite way, hitting around 350. And, and uh, you know, and then I don't know if he was pitched differently, you know, the first of those two years, but he didn't have the same production, got off to a quick start 2017, and then, like you said, had the wrist injury. But the point I want to make here is, if he had an off year, his market probably goes down. So there was an element of risk, you know, to not take this deal you know that they agreed to today so you know if if Boris wants to gamble you know it's paid off in the past it paid off with Harper hasn't paid off with Dallas Keiko and uh, as well as other clients you know of Boris so uh, you know I I I think he got probably what what he would have gotten anyway
3: I don't disagree with that, but the idea is that with Boris, he always waits for one team to be stupid, <laughs> and 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 more often than not, it happens, and that's the that's the Boris, uh, you know,
2: methodology.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he's and he's good at his job. He's one of the he is one of if not the best agent in all professional sports as far as getting his clients top dollar. And Mookie, by the way, is hell bent on that. He's going to do that. Um, but you know, for the same amount of money, and we can quibble on sale. I think we should save it for another day. But we could quibble on sale for the same amount of money that you could potentially get uh, a guy like Mookie. You just got Bogarts and Sale for 270 million over the next five and seven years, respectively. So I- I'm much more apt to do this. I'd like to see them extend Ben attendee, eat his arbitration years and his first few free agent years. Um, you know, s- sign some sensible deals. Keep the majority of the roster. Intact, and um, to me, this signifies that Mookie's not even—it's not even worth a discussion anymore. Um, it's just not. So, but look, love Xander. Glad he's here. Uh, it keeps you know up the middle strong, um, and uh, it, it, it means that the Red Sox are committed to spending money, which obviously they should be. Uh, so, again, both sides give credit to both sides.
1: With Chris Sale, the the needle was all the way in the red in terms of risk, though. So. You know, if he didn't right, sign. Well,
3: let's do that. Enough. Let's do, if he let's didn't do that sign later.
1: out, yeah, no, and we are, we are, but we're gonna, we're gonna dive into Chris Sale right now. Actually, um, I don't, I don't really have any plans to discuss the contract after this particular start. Um, yeah. Maybe after a few more, in which I will talk endless shit about that contract. But uh, I think we
2: should call it like a false start.
1: <laughs> well, like, well, like,
2: aren't that, some teams using openers? <laughs> Maybe he got confused. I don't know. But
1: yeah, yeah, I but, wouldn't
2: call it a start. Well, it's like he, a
1: teaser. He was Alex Cora's no-brainer. That's the exact words uh, Cora used. Starter for mm-hmm. opening day. Did not make his first spring training start until 13 oh. days before opening day. And uh, only lasted uh, 76 pitches over three innings. Um very much just looked like a continuation of last October where he couldn't locate anything Uh, 25 fastballs not one single swing and a miss on a fastball like this has to be one of the worst starts of his career Um, regardless uh, you know I, I mean none of the other top aces on any other team struggled that mightily you know uh, you know, in their respective starts, he did get twelve swings and misses, six on his changeup, six on his slider. Um, kind of breezed through that first inning. I can't remember he struck out the side, but um, second inning, it just it just wasn't there. And he's got two out pitches: one his fastball up and away, and then his slider down and in. You know, that's typically where he gets his strikeouts, and nobody was. Going anywhere near his his fastball up and away. The other thing too, I want to point out here is this time of year, pitchers tend to have lower velocity all across the board. You know, everybody experiences this through spring training and then they're probably their first half a dozen starts. But w- with these guys, their their fastball will start lower in the game, but it'll rise over a few innings. And it, if they happen to be in there six or seven, it might start to tail off. Chris Sale did the opposite of that. First inning, he topped out at 94 miles an hour, and his went down almost immediately after that, and uh, was only reaching uh, 91 miles an hour by the third inning. So, um, you know, the second half of last year is, is definitely, uh, it's not at the back of my mind, it's, it's at the forefront of it.
2: Yeah, I'm not too worried about his velocity yet. I'm, I'm more worried about his consistency at this point and, and the fact that uh, the other team seemed to have his number. No, they weren't swinging his fastball, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think velocity will come. I hope that velocity will come, but his inability to locate was scary at best.
3: He hadn't pitched, guys. He hadn't pitched. He wasn't ready yeah. to start. I think I mean, this, is where, this, this is This is like why I, another
2: spring training game for him.
3: I mean, this again, and I don't know if it's core or the pitching coach um, or just the, an organizational decision. Um, the only thing that drives me nuts is the overreactions to single outings, or single starts, or single games, or single at bats, or whatever. It just drives me absolutely nuts. Um, was he good? No, he wasn't great. His his Velocity dipped quickly because he hadn't thrown more than forty-five pitches yet. Of course, he hit forty pitches and his fastball went down three miles an hour. Okay, well, he hasn't. That was his first time throwing sixty pitches. You know, and again, you want to say maybe he pitched in a bullpen? Fine, but that's not real. Real is pitching with the with batters in the batter's box, with an umpire behind home plate, and the adrenaline that goes along with it. So I look. I'm just not going to overreact. Terry hates the contract. I get it. Terry's point is well-known to everyone that, that that follows him on Twitter. It's well-known to me. It's well-known to you, Steph. I'm just not going to overreact. You're talking – And, and the, other thing is, the other thing is I don't think that he's going to be the same pitcher he was two years ago throughout the length of the, t- the contract. He may not be that pitcher this year. I don't know. But his stuff is good enough throughout, whether it be his slider, his changeup, his ability to pitch, his mindset, the fact that he is, uh, in my opinion, a, a bulldog-type pitcher – and I do think that he's going to, at some point in his career, I hope it's not this year, I hope it's not next year, but at some point he's going to have to reinvent himself and get get people out with 91 uh, as his fastball. Now, I really, really hope it's not this year, and if it is, then we're going to hear about it from Terry for, for literally the end of time. But um, he wasn't great, uh, I, obviously, um, but I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that he was not put in a position to succeed. I mean, maybe he agreed with the the plan to get, you know, I'm doing my bunny ears here, to get ready for opening day, but his first real bullets were 13 days ago, as Terry said. That's not putting a guy in position to succeed. It's just not. I'm sorry. It's just not. And uh, the fact that these guys have all sucked except for Erod until the fifth inning, it comes as almost no surprise, and I really don't Expect much better from David, and, and I'm going to say the same thing after Ho- after David. It probably doesn't perform up to standards tomorrow, which is we're going to have to wait for the second or third time through the rotation until these guys build up the stamina, and 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 as a result, start locating their pitching their pitches with the with the stuff that they're all accustomed to having. So. Um, I think this first week just it's it's going to be you know and I'm I'm scared for Oakland. I mean the only thing I can say is it's a it's a pitcher's ballpark with tons of foul territory. Ball doesn't carry really. Uh, deep deep alleys and uh, we do have that good of an outfield where you can make up for some mistakes. So let's see what happens. But I, I just don't think they've been put in a position to succeed. And sales no
1: different. Well, Seattle and I'm going
2: to not- two games in Oakland, so that's a guaranteed wins right there.
1: Seattle's you- not a pitcher's. Uh, excuse me, a hitter's park anyway, and the balls flew out of there. But getting back to it, it's not really the velocity that concerned me. It was the lack of command. Why could he not command the baseball if he's healthy? I, I,
3: I agree with you. That's, I, that's my point. I agree with you. I I, I think even, look, he, the, it's stuff, right? And stuff is an, an ambiguous term. It's not necessarily 96. It's 96 with cut or or run or, you know, as Pedro, when he was really on, would get rise or at least it would have that effect on the eye of the hitter. It's a lack of stuff is just flat, straight fastballs. And it doesn't matter. These are major league hitters. It could be 96. It could be 91. If it's flat and it's straight, it's going to get turned around so
1: look you, you, he was missing i'm talking about down, all game
3: uh, I, yeah yeah okay and, and and part of stuff is also location so um some of the other uh Evaldi was okay erod was his typical self persolo was okay not great uh yeah i mean I, I but that's part of it i mean and and, and honestly i think he knew he didn't ha- this is one of the things i like about sales generally he will be pretty honest um, I would love to just ask him generally, did you feel like you had to nibble as a result of knowing your stuff wasn't good when you left the bullpen? Um, because I think that might be part of it, but it's a good point. I don't disagree with it. his stuff his accuracy sucked and and I think he knew his fastball sucked and i and I think he didn't he was afraid to he pulled a knee rod.
1: he didn't want to throw it for a strike he here's the question is he healthy? I don't think he is. And go back to his two spring training starts. First start, he goes four scoreless innings, only gives up two hits, zero walks, strikes out seven, excellent command. A week later, March 22nd, and by this point, they're facing mostly major league lineups. A lot of the cuts have been made before this, and they're facing major league hitters by this point. And... Second start, five scoreless innings, two hits, one walk, struck out six that time. Excellent command. Opening day falls off the fucking cliff, and I'm not I'm not 100 percent sold he's healthy.
2: I just don't see how they would have signed him. I mean, he went through physical, right? If he wasn't healthy, why would we make that kind of deal with him? I think we're smarter than that.
1: Well, I mean, the he had the the first start under his belt and, and the second start got pushed back because they announced his signing and he did pass a physical but <laughs> I, I mean how do you explain that drop off he was his old self he should have had more rust on him before March 15th he had five months off everybody else had six he had five is perfectly fine <laughs> perfectly fine and completely normal March twenty eighth, opening day. He's not. He's not normal. He just. He didn't look good, and there was a lot of concern, you know, amongst the national media. The Red Sox media isn't going to talk about it because they they can't really they can't really trash the team. And I can tell you something off off the air. I'm not comfortable uh, talking about it on the air, but. the national media can play by their own rules. They can be as critical as they want. And there's a lot of concern and Buster only. I listen to his podcast every day. If you guys have long commutes, I highly recommend it. He had uh, his first podcast after opening day was called the overreactions. And everybody was laughing about how everybody was overreacting about their team. And there was a, there was a list one through five and they get to Chris sale they were j- laughing and joking about all the others. But then when they get to Chris Sale, it was uh, it was Buster Olney and Boog Shombi who's a national writer. Um, and they said, well, <laughs> I don't think there's much of an overreaction there. I would be very concerned. And I, so I just, I don't know. I'm not going to attack the contract after his first start. But I guess here's the next question then. What what if he looks just like this in his next start and maybe the one after? Then what? Then are you concerned?
2: Absolutely. I, only, And twofold. One, because that's concerning and, you know, then we do say, you know, it's consistent. What's the issue? But also because I think Stale is the kind of person who's very hard on himself. He's madder than he's fucking pissed as hell right now and so I expect him to come back and come back strong. I I think he'll be, I think he's like, you know, how J.D. Martinez, you know, is looking at his tablet and reviewing his swings. I think Sale is sitting somewhere looking at the game, looking at his pitches, evaluating, you know, he's a veteran. He's He's going to make the corrections and I think he's going to come back strong or angry, and I hope both.
1: And Jeremy, same question. What if, what if he doesn't bounce back in his next couple starts and the command just isn't there? I mean,
3: if he sucks completely, yeah. Man. Well, first of all, I'm not necessarily not worried about him. I'm just not going to overreact to one start. And the other thing is, I'm going to root for success. So, I, you know, and he's a competitor. And I think his, his if I'm right, or even some semblance in the arena of right, he's going to get better as he builds his stamina, as he, as he gets to 60 pitches, 75 pitches, 90 pitches, 105 pitches. And that's going to take a month because he didn't have a spring training for whatever fucking stupid reason that was. So I do expect an improvement. I do expect um, him to, to be the competitor that he is. And 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 what does that mean? That means even if his stif- stuff isn't great, he's going to compete at a really high level and he's going to give himself and his teammates a chance to succeed. Now, whether that's five run, you know, five innings, three earned runs, or if it's six and two thirds, one earned run, three hits, I you know, I don't know what it's going to be. I, I certainly don't expect three consecutive bad outings. Um, If he's hurt, then that would be surprising to me because Boston is obviously making a decision here to commit to their proven talent. And And I like that. I respect that. Fans that spend a lot of money on this team should like to know that their money is going to the product to stay competitive. So we should all be happy about it. But we also want to hold them to a certain standard and not do it dumb to not to not do it recklessly and if he's hurt and they know about it then that contract is reckless and i just refuse to believe that they're all that fucking stupid so i don't think he's hurt um i hope he's not hurt um do i think he's going to be the same pitcher he was three years ago no i don't i i I don't think we're going to see 98 every outing for 35 starts anymore i don't um, but he's good enough. His stuff is good enough. His delivery is deceptive enough. He's consistent enough in the strike zone to be successful. And he is a competitor. And I think that he's going to be good enough in the next few starts to uh, calm people's nerves that have great concern about it. You know, I, I really, really do. Now, whether he's going to be a Cy Young front runner like he's been every August for the last three or four years, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to his next start. I think he starts so price tomorrow tuesday's tuesday's sale so we're going to see him again real soon so we're going to find out you know well before our next podcast
1: one of my concerns here is that he's going to be laboring quite a bit if he you know if he's still finding it and i've talked about august and september ad nauseum especially on twitter since the contract was announced he hasn't looked really good in those months since 2015 so he's coming into his fourth season and I'm just wondering if what's going on right now is going to take away from later. And they did this load management with him last offseason, and he wasn't his electric self out of the gates. That's why they've been using stats from 2017 when he came out guns a-blazing with high velocity. But last year they did a similar load management type strategy. I, I guess it's different this year. I don't know what each year entailed. But um they had that mindset and then after July, I mean he's essentially done. You know, the Chris Sale, as we knew him, was essentially done for the year, and he treaded water and still helped win the World Series. I mean, him doing that probably would have been better than Erod every series, but but I don't know how long he can continue to do that. And I don't know that the Red Sox front office really did all of their due diligence. He was set to have a physical uh, a week after they agreed to the contract, which should have been just a few days before opening day. I haven't seen any reports of any follow-ups as a result to his physical, but this is a front office that has made stupid decisions, and they're extremely image conscious, and I just... I'd like to believe that they did their due diligence, but I don't know. And the honesty and transparency is not, you know, is is not a thing with this front office. They don't have a great record with that. You know, they told us Pablo Sandoval was 17% body fat while he was standing right in front of us. So I think that speaks more to the stupidity. Uh, you know, it's been, you know, seven or eight years since Francona left, but they essentially called him a pill popper and a drug addict and nobody ever was you know took accountability for that nobody you know nobody owned it nobody apologized for it and they just they just let it let the story fester and so i just i don't know that you know all the the smart moves you know a through z you know got taken care of here but You know, Tuesday night, that's the most interesting start. You guys, well, Jeremy, your expectations of Price aren't that great. Uh, You know, um, I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. He's had some rough starts, including his first year with us. Um, You know, he had a six-something ERA through the first uh, couple of months, you know, before he reined it in, and um, but he he does pitch well during the regular season, and I'm not. I, I only worry about him in in the postseason.
3: Hold on, I'm only worried about him tomorrow because of the concerns I've raised, which is a lack of a spring training, a lack of a, of a, of building the dur- uh, uh, building the uh, arm uh, durability that you need early in the season. These guys should be ready for 75 to 95 pitches, and they're not. And I think that's going to extend to David and, and, and I, at almost no fault of his own. I think the throwing program is dumb. And I think they're overreacting. Like, look, I think it's a concern that they had to pitch an extra month. And guys like David Price had to throw another 40 innings. That's a concern. I think they're overreacting to it. I'm not saying start them a week later in spring training or, you know, go instead of building 15, 30, 45, 75, 90 for that first start. Maybe just build the 75 for that first start uh, pitches. But th- what they've done is a complete over-fucking reaction, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be David Price's issue tomorrow. I hope I'm wrong, and part of me is like he's turned a corner with the way he pitched in the postseason. I think we the team know he knows what the team needs of him tomorrow. And would I be surprised if he went out and threw 88 pitches, six innings, zero earned, three hits, one walk, and just – you know, gave us the start we are obviously so desperate in need of, would not be surprised. My problem is, I don't think the throwing program has put him in a position to be successful tomorrow. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think it's David. I think David wants to be successful. I think he's prepared to be successful mentally. I think the throwing program sucks. Balls.
1: And, and you're talking about uh, just to be clear, and I, I think I, I'm on the same page. But the the preparation throughout spring training and the lack of innings. Yeah,
3: let me. Can Back I out. can I just give a little bit of a Back background? Out. So so I I, I I was not a pitcher, but I did play college baseball, um, not at a high level. Uh, admittedly, so don't come at me on Twitter because I played Division three. But um, you know that your first your first day, you come out, you throw 15 pitches on a on a on a flat ground, then you throw 15 on a mound. And by the time you get into simulated games or spring training games, you're you're throwing, you know, one inning or two innings at fifteen to thirty pitches. And then you have another and you build up to forty five, then you have another you build up to sixty, and then you typically have one more where you'll build up to seventy five before your first start. And all those outings in the in the preseason or spring training for, for pro baseball, they're all on five day regiments with the eye with the eye towards your first start and by the time you throw that 75th it's logical that your next outing which is going to be a live game would be 90 so no pitcher should be looking at past 90 pitches in my opinion in their first start through the rotation once they have made that start assuming they got to the 90th pitch because obviously if you're not successful you're not going to get there but let's say you get to the 90th pitch by the time your second or third time through the rotation you should be at where you can be for the rest of the regular season which is at 105 pitches but what the Red Sox did is they said we're going to start you, you know, three starts early before you're, uh, so you're going to have three outings or two outings before your start and they didn't build that natural progression. 15, 15, 30, 45, 60, 75. They said go throw 30, go throw 45, then go throw 90. And in Erod's case they said go through 105. It's not fair. So you know I hope maybe I took for granted a little bit about like that 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 throwing program that, and I wish we maybe had a call uh, Chris th- threw in college baseball. He'd be great for this part of the explanation, but it's an important, really important part of it. It's it's getting on a mound throwing, uh, you know, and it's and, and to get just one step further, it's not just throwing from uh, your full windup, but but it's it's working on from the stretch from a from a quick pitch to. You know, that whole progression of going through and then getting up and, and resting and then getting up again and resting and getting up again. And this these guys are five starting pitchers that we think are so good. And as a five a stop, in my opinion, is the top five rotation in baseball. They haven't done it. The throwing program sucked. It was abbreviated. They overreacted to the to the to the workload in October. And as a result, they're really all built up to 45, 60 pitches max. So when they go out there and they get past sixty pitches and they suck, I'm not surprised.
2: Well uh, how do you think the pitchers feel about it about the throwing program? I mean, I know they're not gonna say, right? Like I but think part, but I, I think I, I, each one of them alluded to the fact that they were used to having a heavier spring. Like I've heard, you know, comments here and there from like even Brazier and Sale where they're they're used to having more preparation and they're used to um, doing more in spring training.
3: So that cuts two ways, right? They all have to admit that they need, they needed – look, and one of my biggest concerns I think was like our first podcast after the World Series was what's going to be the World Series hangover on the arms. I didn't think it would be, you know, let's give them two outings in Fort Myers and then go throw them to the Wolves. I thought it would be something more than that. Um, I think, I think that if you had a candid conversation, I think they all understood there had to be some sort of change – to the throwing program in spring training, I don't think any of them would agree that it being this drastic is was the answer. The throwing his first live thirteen days ago or whatever before a start. That that's, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry you didn't give him a chance to succeed. You didn't give him a chance to build up, and and uh, it's just not. I'm sorry, but look, as a hitter, me taking 15 swings off a tee, or 15 swings off a 45-foot batting practice at 65 miles an hour is not the same as 15 at-bats with a guy who can throw 90 to 93.
1: Yeah, it's that's not the be. same. So,
3: so. but and, and all the hitters had the same preparation, which is fine because obviously a swing is a lot more durable than a throwing motion. But what what's happened here is it's it's a complete overreaction. These guys are not ready to throw 75 pitches. They're just not. And David Price is going to be the same tomorrow, folks, so buckle up.
2: That's got to be so frustrating for these pitchers, too, though. Because they want to compete, and they want to do well. And
1: Well, so, sure here, here's the thing, These though. guys are
3: also mo- talented enough, and, cons- and they just came off of just dominating towards the World Series. So they all probably thought they could do it. And they're all probably sitting on the plane right now to Oakland, or they've already landed, going, All right, you know what? <laughs> Maybe we could have used that sixty and seventy-five pitch spring training start that we didn't have to be to be ready for this for this first series because obviously it it, it didn't work and the guy who bucked the trend got fucked because he got left in for way too many pitches and gave up a bomb to Jay Bruce that killed a fan in left and uh, right center.
1: I mean, Cora definitely <laughs> didn't have the bullpen ready, you know, and he should have because the pitch count was up anyway, so that should have dictated everything well he
3: got he got up workman and then sat him down and then got up hembry
1: and hembry wasn't ready why what what, why did why did he put down why did he sit down workman because workman had been throwing workman workman was warming before the home run there were two guys on base but the game wasn't out of hand yet so workman was up the home run gets hit he sits down they go to the mop-up guy which is heath hembry and it is, and then when, when you're talking about these off-season programs, though, Sale has, his has to be unique, though, because of his situation, because because of his lack of stamina. So his program's going to be way different from everybody else's. And getting to Nathan Avaldi now, that was that is who Nathan Avaldi is. Who you saw on uh, what was it Friday? He's he he was had no problems whatsoever throwing strikes and that was the problem. He was throwing strikes and getting fucking hammered. And that's what contact hitting teams do. So they you know, they they hit him around. He typically doesn't go a ton of innings. I'm trying to get his game logs up from last year. Um And he he got he got hit. That that's what happens with him. And that's why I wasn't a huge fan of that contract, because what you saw in the World Series is not Nathan Evaldi and against the Yankees. He dominates launch angle teams and that's not who Seattle is. That is who kinda Oakland is. They were kind of an all or nothing team. So if he gets a start, and I think he will with them. You know, you might see you might see a little bit of a difference between, you know, Oakland and Seattle, but Tampa's going to beat the crap out of him all year long, you know, because they're a good contact hitting team. Houston's going to do it. I would say Cleveland, but, you know, they're not the same team. You know, Toronto might even do it. I mean, they got a lot of young guys that hit for decent contact, and... You know, and then hopefully he still does what he does against New York in the regular season. But he was throwing strikes, and, and for the most part, pitching exactly how he was. And then Porcello today—I mean, that we've seen a lot of that from Porcello. If he can't throw his sinker, you know, and, and his fastballs down in the zone for strikes, he he's not gonna he's not gonna have a good start. And and we saw that today as well from him. So, I mean, I'm concerned going forward, you know. I I just, yeah. And Oakland beats the shit out of us, by the way. They beat the shit out of us last year. They made a ton of moves before the deadline, but we faced them both series before they even got to make those moves. And they still still beat us. Uh, You know, we won two out of six against them. And so we're setting up for probably – one of our worst starts in a long time.
2: Well, let's hope not.
3: I, I've, I've long warned of this. I, I de- I've already spoken on the pitching preparation. Whether you agree with it or not, I'm not going to change my position. I feel strongly about it. And I hate the fact that they've been put in a position. And I don't necessarily call foul, but... 11 games on the west coast as a northeast team sucks it sucks <laughs> and then you, you abbreviate spring training the way they did um you know it sucks they're in a terrible spot they got it they got to win tomorrow because here's the other thing they came into um opening day talking about repeating and embracing the idea of of being the only team since the 2000 yankees to repeat or whatever it's been Well guess what all that talk starts to just weigh on you like a refrigerator if you don't start winning and every loss is going to mount and then you go on this trip and you start three and eight and you are in a world of hurt in a division where the Rays are good and the Yankees are obviously good so they got to win tomorrow they got to find a way you know and here's the other thing they're hitting like crazy I mean eight runs tonight you know they've done a lot of good offensively. Um, they just haven't had a chance, and they've been behind the whole time. Um, so, got to win tomorrow. Uh, you know, it's crazy to say a must-win. I don't think it's an absolute must-win, but you can't let this thing snowball on you. I, I think if you can get out at six and five, that's that's a home run. Five and six, you know, four and seven. Uh, more problematic, obviously, but if you can get out of here at six and five, at the the way they've started, uh, I do, let's just get back to Fenway Park and do what we do in that building.
1: Any thoughts, Stephanie?
2: No, I agree. I I look forward to the series in Oakland and seeing what it brings for us.
1: Yeah, uh, and like I, I mostly
2: s- look forward because I'm going, and I usually that that bears well for us. Last time I went, they, they won. So, you know, I've got a winning record. So, I'm hoping they continue to pull it off for me.
1: Which uh, games are you going to?
2: I'm going to the last two games of the series. So, I'll be seeing Evaldi and
1: Erod. There you go. Uh, just just to underscore my uh, point with uh, Evaldi here. Um, I wasn't a fan of this contract. Jeremy and I went back and forth about it. Uh, You know, I I figured he'd get two years, but the World Series kind of, you know, inflated his market, you know, foolishly, because those are against launch angle type teams where he's going to look good anyway. And, uh, Jeremy, if I remember right, you were okay with a four-year deal. In the end, you were anyway. No. No.
3: That's not what I said at the time.
1: Why? Well, I, I, the way I remember it was you. You agreed with me for the most part. It should be a two-year deal. And then when the day it got signed, I said, "Unfucking believable." We could have had Dallas Keuchel for the same price. And I, I thought you said, "Well, for four years, you were okay with it because he could go to the bullpen." You know, at seventeen million, it's essentially a Chapman contract at this point. I I thought you changed course. Yeah, that
3: that that is part of what I said. I don't like the four years. I think it's a look. I'm not one of these people that, and the sales, the sale contract's the same thing. People are like, you I have to be in one or two camps. You have to be for it or against it. I'm not like that. I'm just not. I look at it. I. This might be a little self-serving, but I look at it a little bit more pragmatically than that. Which is, what's the risk reward at what point in the contract? Like, I like the deal for the first two to three years. I don't necessarily like the deal for the fourth year. The sale thing is the same thing. Like. I like the fact that they've locked him up because if he performs this year and he wins the Cy Young, he's becoming a, he becomes a two hundred million dollar guy. So there's risk both ways. Do I wish it was a hundred and fifty at the at five years? No, I wish it was four and one thirty, but or one twenty. So I don't hate the Avaldi deal as certainly this year and next year. I also like the fact and what what you say, what you alluded to, is if they go sign a guy like Keuchel or somebody emerges in the system he's making closer money and we don't have a closer so that's another thing to think about also with the idea behind saying well if he's throwing 20 pitches per outing and he throws 60 outings instead of 35 outings at 110 pitches maybe you get the full 4 years out of him at closer money so the the contract itself gave some flexibility that way do i love the deal like on it, like Unequivocally, I'm obsessed with the deal. No, I'm not. I think there's risk at the end of it, certainly.
1: Well, I hated it from the start, unequivocally. And uh, he.
3: Eh, I'm not surprised.
1: He came to uh, Boston, uh, July 25th was the trade. Pitched seven scoreless innings against the Minnesota Twins. Looked very good. Did the same thing in his next start against the Yankees, like he does. Uh, Eight eight innings scoreless And then after that He became Nathan Avaldi, The guy he has been throughout his career Uh, He is a uh, Let's see no, I don't have those stats up He's roughly a a career 415 guy That's probably a little higher after This series But uh, after those two really good starts He only went uh, Two and two thirds innings Giving up eight runs to the lowly Baltimore Orioles only goes five innings against the Phillies. Gives up three runs. In uh, a lot of these uh, appearances, he's he's exiting the game with uh, multiple base runners, by the way. And then Barnes uh, would come in. Hembry was really good for a while last year with inherited runners, as was Kelly at times. Um Let's see, five and one-third against Cleveland, four earned runs. His next start against the Rays only goes four innings, six earned runs. His next start against the Chicago White Sox, another last-place team, uh, only goes two innings, gives up, uh, let's see, three uh, earned runs there. Cora must not have been feeling it. Next start against the Atlanta Braves, only three and one-third inning. Uh, let's see. Toronto Blue Jays, three and two thirds. Only gave up two runs. He's getting a quick hook in all of these. Uh, and then his three starts left from here out. He did go six innings, no earned runs against the Yankees. Uh, his next start against Baltimore, five innings, uh, one earned run. Uh, and then only pitched two innings against the Yankees. But uh, I think they were simply just resting him because the division was. Um, well in hand at that point in his last start. Uh, one earned run there. But this was a guy coming into just his last couple of starts who we didn't know what his role was going to be in the off season. I kind of assumed he would probably start against the Yankees, but after that, I was figuring he's probably going to go to the bullpen. And he he got the start against Houston. That wasn't really a bad start, actually. He did kind of labor. I think his pitch count was close to fifty after two innings, but he didn't, you know, let a lot of runs score. Got the win, and then, uh, you know, was was lights out against the the Dodgers, another launch angle team, but a lot of those numbers in there very ugly and that's who he is against against regular contact hitting teams so you know i'm just not a big fan of dropping that money on him we could have had Dallas Keuchel who's still out there probably in the 80 to 90 million range yes it would have been a little bit more but former Cy Young winner much better value pitched in some big games i just i don't know why they well, they drank the punch for, for Evaldi. And here's another thing, too. With this Bogarts contract, we are going to be roughly in the neighborhood of $122 million next year on just five players. Luxury tax halfway point is 103, So we're just about $20 million over that with five players. So that's where some of these contracts start to hurt you. You know, I love the Bogarts contract. I'm never going to complain about that. But, you know, we couldn't afford any relievers this year because we're going to go over that third luxury tax level. We have the bullpen, hoping for the best. But I just, I don't know. I I don't know. So I I don't like the Evaldi contract. And as the payroll, you know, becomes an issue, this is one of the ones I'm going to look at.
2: Yeah, I think Ivaldi just won everybody over when he came in and what was that, like six innings of relief. And then that was it for him. He became a hero, even though we didn't win.
3: I'm just not going to react to one start or overreact to one start.
1: Well, I just gave me about 12 I'm, I'm starts. Gonna,
3: I mean, was he was he good or was he not good in the playoffs?
1: He was great against launch angle teams, and, and he'll continue to be great against them. But how many of them are there? I mean, like I said, you know now, it should be painfully obvious after today, we're not going to win 108 games this year.
3: Who was predicting they win 108 games this year?
1: But I'm just saying it's going to be a grind, and we're not going to have the benefit. No no shit, it's going to be a grind. We're not going to have the benefit of him only going three, four, five innings with that bullpen, regardless of whether or not we make trades. (laughs) Just saying.
2: Well, it should be interesting.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it is. Buckle up. Circling back to the, uh, um, before we get into the review, we'll probably, uh, excuse me, the preview, we'll probably wrap up with that tonight, actually. But um, before we do get to that, I want to swing back to the Bogarts thing, because what does this mean for Mookie at this point? You know, they didn't get it done before the season started, and we're, I don't know if we're quite two full weeks away, you know, from the from the trout signing because that changed everything you know as far as Mookie's market goes and you know we didn't expect to sign this Bogarts thing so I'm wondering if this might be a pivot away from Mookie now and they're like you know what we're going to commit to Xander and maybe move on you know after the 2020 season I mean, I feel like I've already chimed
3: in on this. Um, I think they were holding out hope that Mookie would come to the table, and when he didn't, they moved on to their next best player. Ben Intendi, who to me is probably their most well-rounded player not named Mookie Betts. Um, he's not a concern yet because he has – I think this is – he's not even in his arbitration years yet. I think his uh, 2020 is his first arbitration year. So they're not worried about Benintendi. They've got time
1: with him, and I think he'll be the next one to get done. Um, Actually, there was reports just last week that he was he he said he was all ears was his exact quote uh, for an yeah, extension. I mean, and, yeah,
3: he's a prime candidate for that Pedroia extension, That the first Pedroia extension, which was six years, $60 million. I think he was in the first year of his arbitration. I don't. Think Pedroya ever went to arbitration as a result? Well, I like that. Yep, go
1: ahead. It was the Bregman deal that they were comparing it to. Like, that's specifically. Well, yeah, and Benettendi's a better player than
3: Pedroya. So, notwithstanding the MVP and the Rookie of the Year, but I mean, his upside is way higher than Pedroya's, in my opinion, anyways. Um, I think what happened here is. They literally called a press conference and said, "We've went to Mookie. He won't. He won't come to us." And I think that's something that probably we're going to find out whether it be sometime soon or when the book is written about this year, where they probably begged him and begged him and begged him, and then Trout signed, and then they begged some more, and he said, "Look, I'm bowling this off season. Then I'm going to free agency." So what they did is they went to the next best player. Um after the time they said they would they would stop because most of these teams say once the season starts we're done with this. But I think they went to Bogart's Bogart's reciprocated and they got a, a fair deal done. Um in my um shout out, I said, you know, this if, if you already if you were hanging on to the idea of Mookie being a Red Sox after his last arbitration year, this ha- this this kills that. He's not gonna be here. And you shouldn't want him here, guys and girls. You shouldn't want him here. They've committed to Sale. They've committed to Evaldi. They've committed to uh, Bogarts. They're going to commit to Benintendi. He's not going to be here. You can't, he can't be here because he's going to kill any 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 money left. I mean, you could sign a whole team for what he he's going to get. You can't do it. It's just it's out of the question. I'm sorry. You just he's gone. And I love Mookie Betts. I think he's a great player. I don't like some of the way he's handled this. I've I've said I don't like the way he's handled this. I, for all the things I've said about Xander tonight about committing to Boston, I hate that Mookie just for whatever reason re- refuses to commit to to Boston. But he's not, and he's gone. You know. So enjoy him while he's here, and let's hope he helps win another World Series because he's not going to be here.
1: I mean I'm not 100% convinced and I you know before this contract I would have I would have leaned towards probably Mookie does sign because this is an organization as I have said over the last few shows that is image conscious and they don't want to be the team that let go of Mookie Betts now you know the Trout signing happened so maybe things changed but I don't think we're truly going to know until this next off season if Martinez gets a new deal, then that's going to seal it for me, uh, that he definitely will not – Mookie definitely will not be back at that point. And I think I think Martinez – I think they should pursue him. That That is my preference. I think he'll get a Paul Goldschmidt-type deal, which I think was the most brilliant move of, of the offseason, by the way. Uh, I mean, dude hit three home runs just the other day. It's, I think it was, what, four? 6 years at 130 or maybe it was 5 years at 130 I can't remember but 130 was the final figure I just don't remember the number of years but that was a great deal and that is a bargain compared to Machado compared to Harper compared to um you know Mike Trout obviously and I I picked the Cardinals to win that division uh, that's a the, was one of the toughest divisions to pick but if if they win the World Series, not at our expense. I mean that I think that'd be great because that that's a pretty smart front office that had the means to sign those big guys. Didn't traded for Goldschmidt, locked him up, and I don't know. But the, getting back to it, if if we give Martinez that contract, you know, give or take, you know, five ten million. That will will tell me we're definitely not going to pursue Mookie. And, again, too, if we suck, and we might, we could trade Mookie. That could be a possibility. This July. I hope
3: that. I hope. I agree with that last point. I think if they're out of it, they, they're going to trade him for an absolute haul. And they probably need to turn some asset into prospects because the minor league system has been eviscerated by Dombrowski. But, um and by the way, they, they may do that anyways. <laughs> they may be afraid of what just happened to Washington and say, regardless, let's sign... And they're going to sign J.D. They're, he's going to opt out, or before he opts out, they're going to give him a deal that's fair. They're going to extend him. They're going to buy out opt-out years. And I'm okay with that because he's going to get the 6 thirty, six 140 whatever it is. Uh, and I'm, a, I'm 100% okay with that because, again... If Mookie's going to get four hundred million, I'd much rather have three or four really, really, really good players than one player at that price. And if you're telling me we can have Sale, Bogarts, Benintendi, and J.D. Martinez, and no-brainer. Mookie has to and Mookie has to walk. Totally agree, Steph. Totally agree. So, um, you know, I, I just again to me he, he's gone. He's gone, and that's okay. It's okay. You can't read everybody. You can't.
1: Yeah, and but the hilarious thing is, I not everybody is going to agree with us, and we are in the minority. You know, the the huge minority of uh, people that would rather move on from Mookie. Um, <laughs> I think, it's and, a matter and that's, of that's right. okay too. By the way. Yeah. It's okay too. Reality,
2: really. At the end of the day,
1: I no, mean... I know, I know. But that's what I was getting at. It's just, it's going to be absolutely hilarious. Um, when, when look, it the majority. Look, everyone
3: loves Mookie Betts, right? Great smile. Now he's got the kid and the girlfriend, and and I, you know, as a family man, that that I love seeing that shit. By the way, like that, that like I just will walk into that story every day of the week. Um, so. The fact that he's a family man—that um, by the way, he's a bowler. I'm a bowler. Um, you know, like all that stuff. Like I like a lot of it. I hate the fact that he can't like that he's gonna go do the Harper route and not the Arenado, Bogarts route. It pisses me off. I've, I'm on record on that. I'm not going to retract from it. Um, but if you are the Boston fan that says I would rather have Mookie than JD and Benintendi, I think you're out of your fucking mind. But um, part of me says, I, I I understand it, you know, I do, I understand why you think that, I think you're wrong, respectfully, but, you know, it, it, you could think that way, and it, it, it just, it to me, again, um, the Red Sox are committing to spending, which everyone, as a uniform front, every Boston Red Sox fan should be like, thank you, management, we've committed to you as a fan base, and you're committing to us, and we all love that. But what's the more? What's the better move? Four players for one or Mookie? I mean, it...
2: I yeah. And Jeremy, I think it's a matter of not fans not agreeing with us. It's just not really sitting and taking the time to break it down. Because if you ask anybody, do you want Mookie to stay? Sure. But if you ask, do you want Mookie to stay at the expense of J.D. Martinez, Andrew Benatendi, Bogarts, and Sale? The I would think the answer would be no. That's just me.
3: I think you'd be surprised. I think you'd be uh, surprised, Stephanie. I really do. I think I guess those, it depends I, like, on
2: the fan. Because I, I, I love, love Mookie. In fact, you know, one of my daughters thinks he's adorable and wants to marry him. So we call him her husband. So, I mean, we, we love Mookie in this house. But when if you sit and talk about it and break it down, it, it, you know, I said it's a no-brainer. And I, I, I stand by that. How could you justify keeping one player and you talk about risk and a high risk factor putting all that money into one player who hasn't even like outperformed in the off season so uh, not off season in postseason. so I, i get it
3: here's the other thing with those deals right like you it's impossible to to meet the the production to meet the value it's just an impossibility and We've talked about it on this podcast. The, the The value is not just in the production; it's in the marketability. It's in selling jerseys and tickets and
2: Absolutely. you know whatever
3: else, right? So, but the production never meets the value. Mookie Betts signs here for four hundred million dollars. By the time twenty thirty rolls around hmm. and that contract is running at an end, there's not going to be a lot of huge Mookie Betts fans for left because he's not going to be hitting. 35, 120, and stealing 30 bags anymore. He's not. The, athletic, the athleticism is going gonna, is gonna to wane as he gets into his mid-30s. It's just not. And, I, I look, no one thinks that the first eight years is worth the last four years more than me, right? Like, if you can get eight more years of Mookie Betts in his current form for four bad years, like what Oakland, uh, what uh, L.A. of Anaheim's going through with uh, uh, Pujols, I... <laughs> I'm a huge fan of if you're going to give me eight good years, I'll take the two bad years. But it's just they're never it's he's never going to meet that production. So he's going to end up being a Met. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a Yankee because they've just they've got so much money tied up in certain players. But, you know, he's going to end up somewhere. It's not going to be Boston.
1: He he could be a Yankee. I wouldn't rule that out. Um, He comes up before Aaron Judge. Um, If he becomes a Yankee, then I that would hurt. I fucking yeah, that
2: would that would sting. That well,
1: mm -hmm. this is why I I, I've kind of started to not like Mookie as much because I mean, look at what's going on right now. You know, Xander wanted to stay, signed a deal. Rick Porcello wants to stay. They're not really open to talking with him for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, the Xander Thank thing. You, Matt. Maybe the ban- Xander played into it. But Sale wanted to stay. I think he had an ulterior, but at face value, he did want to stay. Um, ben approached the Red Sox about trying to get a Bregman type deal they weren't really interested. So there's a lot of widespread interest amongst the current core of players that wants to stay with this team and Mookie won't come to the table. He won't have any conversations. I have seen several reports that the Red Sox did make another offer this year. The first one was to just simply buy up his arbitration that was after the 2016 season, 5 years, 100 million, would have been, you know, 20 million a year. Um he passed up on that after the 2017 season. He passed up on an eight-year, $200 million contract, so 25 a year. And I don't have any figures on what was offered this year, but um, he has no interest in it even after the Trout signing. And Trout's, you know, was an early signing. Mookie still wants to go to free agency, and it, it just it really aggravates me because – I really believe if they offered him three fifty right now, if they gave him twenty million over Harper, I think he would decline it. I really do. I think he believes he's gonna exceed Mike Trout's value, which is crazy because he's not as good as Trout. But I think he is thinking that's what's gonna happen, and he, you know he's like a businessman. He just he doesn't want to necessarily be here, and. I think if the Yankees offer him just a little bit more, I think I think he'll take it. You know, if it's a difference of an extra year or 20 or 30 million, Johnny Damon did the same thing. He he was he, the Yankees gave him 2 million year more over like 4 or 5 years and he took the money and I think Mookie will do the same thing, I really do.
3: Then that's fine. That's fine. How that Johnny Damon? How that Johnny Damon deal work out? How the Ellsbury deal work out? I, I Mookie's way better than them, so don't get me wrong. And he's younger than Damon, but and 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 for, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. We've been at this thing for ninety minutes already tonight. They'd have to move Stanton, and that means they probably are going to have a hard time signing Judge. And I do think Mookie Betts is a better player, but they can't. I, the Yankees have to draw the line somewhere. I just don't think he's a poss- – maybe I'm even trying to, like, console myself right now, but <laughs> – which is Set a real possibility. But like you're, they are going to let yourself G- down Judge, easy. Yeah, Judge is going to get a $300 million deal. Um, they already have Stanton on the books. No one's taking that deal. No one's taking that deal without them paying the far majority of it. Um, they're going to have to sign some starting pitching at some point. I, I just don't see how they could add a guy like Mookie Betts with an outfield that already has Stanton, Judge, Hicks. You know, I know Ellsbury will be gone by the time Mookie Betts is up, but it's just it doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me. The problem is, and I think what Terry Terry's alluding to is the Yankees are always in it, and if they want to be in it, they're going to get the player. Yeah. I just think, given their their current the way the roster's currently built, I think it would be a little bit harder than usual for the Yankees to be in on Mookie.
1: Well, they have a lot of short-term, decent-sized money coming off the books. I mean, Hap is short-term. LeMahieu is short-term. Who knows with Severino? He's locked up for five years at relatively cheap money. You know, so Mookie could be there for, you know, potentially three years from that. Another thing they might decide, I I don't think this would happen, but if Mookie wins another MVP in the next couple of years – they're still going to get a couple of years of him and Judge together. Maybe they move on from Judge if they like Mookie better. You, you, you made a good point where you said, well, a lot of what Mookie's skill set is is predicated on speed, you know, with the elite defense, the base running, so on and so forth. A 35-year-old Mookie Betts, 36-year-old Mookie Betts, is still going to probably be a lot more versatile than a 35, 36-year-old Aaron Judge. So I mean I wouldn't rule it out. And if the Yankees win a World Series this year, a lot of experts picked them to do so. Or if they win it next year, maybe maybe they'll still do it anyway, just to drive the dagger further into you know the Red Sox fan base's heart. Uh, I I wouldn't rule out anything right now. I wouldn't either. Would
3: I look at I look at Mookie as a mercenary, and it and I. I do, and I don't want to like because I like Mookie as a player. I'm not, I'm <laughs> not know, real sure I'm gonna like him as not a player, and it, it pains me because again I'm a bowler. Uh, my wife loves saying that um, Jeremy don't don't tell people you're good at bowling because bowling's like the least cool thing to be good at, and she's like dead on accurate, right? But like Mookie helps that so much. Like yeah, every Mookie. time she says it, I'm like Mookie's a 200 average bowler. You know, and she's like, "Well, that's you know, that doesn't count." Well, no, it counts. Um, he's he now he's a family man. So again, another another tick in the Jeremy like positive column. But he's a mercenary, and I don't like that about him. I don't like that um, he won't commit to the city who has embraced him. And by the way, I hate athletes who forget that they made their bones in a certain city. Like heart, like if I'm a Washington Nationals fan. And I know he was a prodigy, and he was on Sports Illustrated like in high school, so maybe he's a little bit different. But the Nationals still drafted him, paid him, brought him up, gave him every opportunity to, to be successful. The fact that he couldn't commit to that city at 10 years, $300 million, would just absolutely frost my tips. Like it just, I'm sorry. That just pisses me off if I'm a, if I'm a Nationals fan. Well, a hundred... There's just no reason. There's, not, there, there's no reason... To not commit to the program that committed to you, that made you all this money, and so applying that same logic to Mookie, like Mookie was not a prodigy, he was not a first round pick. I don't think he. I think He's a so. Fourth rounder. It just pisses me off. It just pisses me off that he won't even have the conversation. He won't even talk about it. So I mean, look, I'm, I'm not a real big Mookie off the field guy. I'm just not.
1: Yeah, and the one thing with Harper though that we found out well after the fact is a hundred million of that three hundred was deferred, and I'm not sure he was real crazy about that. But you know, in hindsight, maybe if he knew he was only getting thirty million over that, regardless, maybe you know his mindset is different. But I'll tell you one thing: I I just mentioned. Uh, What was I saying? Oh, if the Cardinals win the World Series, I would absolutely love that, you know, because Goldschmidt's going to be a big part of that. I did pick the Phillies to win the East, but I would love it if the Nationals did it. The Nationals have a very talented uh, lineup, and if Strasburg stays healthy and Corbin has a year like he did last year, He's kind of Clay Buchholz-esque, you know, in terms of consistency. He can pitch like a, you know, bona fide number one, or, you know, other days, you know, he's a lot like what we saw this series with the Red Sox. But, but if he pans out and he can pitch in a big market, similarly to how he pitched last year with uh, Arizona, if he can do this, and that team goes deep. And they got a really good bullpen uh, behind Doolittle and they made one more signing. I forget who um, but it's it would be a balanced team that could potentially go to a World Series so I would love that just to just to laugh at all the people that thought that Harper deal was a great signing you know that a 300 plus million dollar deal. Is good, and there was his old team, you know, going deep without him. So I would love that. Well, we are
3: uh, coming to the end of this podcast. Yeah. And uh, let's hit a quick, uh, you know, let's talk quickly about the A's in this this uh, upcoming series, before we yeah. sign off.
2: Yeah, so we uh, start tomorrow with David uh and we're uh, facing Aaron Brooks from the A's. Uh, late start for you guys again, 7 o'clock game. Um,
1: <laughs> 10 for us. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, 10 for you guys. And uh, Sorry. And uh, good news about Aaron Brooks, he comes in with a... 8.01 ERA, so that gives us a little bit of hope. Then on Tuesday, 10 o'clock game time for you guys again. Uh, Chris Dale uh, up against Mike Beers. I'm gonna guess that's how you say it. Fires Beers, uh, who seems to do pretty well against us. Uh, 1.99 ERA versus Boston. And then uh, Wednesday, uh, we're facing we got a Baldi versus Estrada. Um. Estrada carries like a two-four-five ERA, and uh, they haven't named the pitcher for Thursday, but I'm going to guess it's probably going to be Brett Anderson, um, so looks to be an interesting series. You can catch me behind home plate on Wednesday and uh, at the visitor's dugout on Thursday.
3: Okay, <laughs> yeah. so I'd, I'd like to start my response to this whole thing with, Stephanie, respectfully keep your good times to yourself.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no way
3: <laughs> like don't want I don't need to see your pictures on Twitter don't yeah, need it too
2: late too late
3: uh <laughs> I'll retweet all of them go ahead thank you yeah. thank T- you anyways uh <laughs> look right I I I'm just gonna be really quick here tomorrow's not like an absolute must win it's one less than that it's a, it's a like a really need to win. Uh, Aaron Brooks, uh, journeyman, you know, I don't think he's ever started the, the regular season on an active roster. All great and grand, right-handed pitcher, mediocre stuff, gotta kill him. Just, 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 offense gotta stay, and by the way, the offense has been fine. We're gonna win games with the offense. This lineup is awesome. So, we gotta get something out of David. I think he's, I think he's gonna rise to the challenge. It may be a short start, it may be four innings. That's fine. The bullpen's actually been okay. Get it to the bullpen. Sale. Uh, look, Sale
2: has a 21.00 yeah, no, ERA right now. right now. Ow, ow, look,
3: ow. Look. ow. Um, fierce, good player. It's like a sub-two ERA against Boston in his career. Whatever. Think the offense again is going to be good. To is going to get to him. I just I don't even need to necessarily win this particular game. I need to see something out of sale that says he's going to be okay because I can't handle Terry the rest of the season if he's not. <laughs> Moving on to Avaldi Estrada. Estrada, again, um, this is a game where I think they're going to score some runs. Uh is going to be better. And then the getaway days are always tough um, on the West Coast. So hopefully Erod, who was okay until the home run to Jay uh, J Bruce, Um, I I like to see them at least split the series. I know it's a modest goal. They win 3 of 4. I'm really, really happy. That means we're going to Arizona at 500 and that would just be outstanding as far as the way the season has started so far and the way the pitching's just absolutely struggled.
1: Terry? Well, here's the bad news. Uh, Coming into the day, their last four pitchers had gone all of them six innings apiece, all scoreless. Um, I'm assuming I don't that must have been Brooks everybody. Brooks
2: wasn't part of that. What's that? I don't think Brooks was part of that.
1: No, because this is his first start of the year. Yeah, and that's cool. Yeah. He he sounds like he might be their their number five starter or a spot starter, something like that. But um, but yeah, Mike Fires. I don't know why he didn't start the All Star game. Uh, not the All Star game. The the Wild Card game. They went with the opener. You know, he's their ace. You know, so I don't know, but um. Andrew Benintendi hitting 400 against him. Small sample size. Devers uh, only one out of three, so he's only faced him once. Uh, yeah, not too many guys have really faced him, so um, you know it, it's just going to depend on whether he's on or not. We're pretty familiar with uh, Marco Estrada from his Blue Jays days. Very. He did um, pretty well against him. Yeah, he he only tops out at least back then was around 90 miles an hour or so. Um. so uh, you know if X in the booth and I think he will be he'll be talking about salad quite a bit uh, Andrew Benatendi hits him pretty well uh, you know he's a 350 hitter against him seems like he hits everybody well uh, JD Martinez a 333 hitter Blake Swihart that might be a start that he gets he's a small sample size but um, 2 for 6 against him yeah and then Vasquez is 2 for 17 so that um that could be a potential swihart and i won't really get into the uh obviously the team to be determined starter but if that is anderson he's been around a while uh kind of a journeyman type guy i think he started with uh the the athletics and then he went to uh the dodgers and maybe even the cubs i'm not sure but he's back in oakland and uh was pretty serviceable last year so just depends on uh, how deep Erod can go,es and hopefully we'll see what we have in the bullpen. We didn't really get a chance to see that because it was mostly our mop up guys. Brazier got in there today and I think looked all right. Barnes had um, a decent uh, appearance closing out the the one win we had. That first at bat though, his location wasn't great, but he was getting uh, he, he was getting them to chase so. Anyway, um, I'll be thrilled with a split, to be honest with you. But this is a pitching staff that's pitching very well. And uh, we're not firing on all cylinders. We gave up seven, six, five, and seven runs, uh, respectively, with all of our starters. So <laughs> hopefully hopefully those that's numbers. not
2: happening again.
1: Yeah, those and come stop. down to earth a little bit. One question before we go. Is it true that the Coliseum smells like uh, a septic tank? <laughs>
2: I wouldn't go that far but it it's not fabulous okay. by any means. The the bummer of it too is um it, obviously it's not in a great location so we're going down and staying the night and trying to find a hotel down there that you know isn't going to cost me an arm and a leg to uber back and forth from is not fun. Yeah, But, yeah, the Coliseum, I I much prefer uh, catching the Sox when they play the Giants in the interleague. Um, Much better venue all around. Uh, They have a crab sandwich that's off the hook. Uh, Uh, Oakland is not where it's at. But my seats at Oakland are always ten times better and way cheaper. So uh, it's a hit or miss, I guess.
1: And they do have a new stadium finalized, I think, or close to finalized. I thought. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Well, I was seeing diagrams of something, so I don't yeah, know. But... Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: All right. So we'll... I don't
2: think anything finalized.
1: Okay. I, I and I could have been wrong. Maybe it was just tentative. I mean, we saw a lot of stuff from Tampa, you know, last fall, but apparently that all fell through. Um, And
2: it makes it interesting, too, on days that there happens when basketball and baseball are overlapping because, you know, the Coliseum and Oracle Arena are right next to each other. So, those days, it makes it really interesting uh, getting in and out. Really interesting.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. uh,
2: West West Coast problem.
1: I'm going to be in (laughs) Sacramento, so I'm hoping to catch a game somewhere. Expand my number of ballparks to, to five if I can go to both, but... Um, yeah, 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 I
2: would definitely recommend a Giants game if if, if you have to pick which which uh, venue to visit. it's Giants all day, but
1: yeah, um, It'd probably for me, I'm such a nerd. It would probably just depend on the matchup. You know which team, yeah, is, you for know, sure. Because it's in September, so it'll be it'll be a division race type situation. Although the Giants probably won't be in it now. That I think about it. But, all right. No, We're uh great. well over time, so uh we'll yeah. uh we'll call it a show and uh be back I think Thursday evening. So thank you guys. Yeah. Finally uh, right. a standard show. <laughs> yeah, have a good night.
2: Thanks. Hi hey, Jeremy.
1: Good night. And uh, that'll do it I think. Episode 131 and uh, hopefully we'll salvage uh, this opening West Coast trip with uh, a few more wins than uh, what took place in Seattle, and uh, we'll actually wrap up with Arizona after, who has some good pitching, so it could be a tough series as well. And uh, Jesse Friedman will uh, be on with us the next episode. So for those of you who remember him, one of the more brilliant, Baseball minds uh, that that I've come across since I've been doing this. So that'll be a fun segment with with him. So take care.
0: Rainer, I roam a fair way home. That's where I long to be. I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of insanity. I live and die with Red Sox, right for eternity.